0: Welcome to Green Focus, a new podcast that aims to discover and showcase transformative Israeli green technology in order to understand it better and help leverage this technology to make a positive impact on our planet. Each episode will take a fresh look at the innovation and business impact happening in the green tech sector, with guests including VCs, founders, technologists, and climate activists. In these conversations, we aim to discuss the pathways for leveraging cutting edge innovation to attract investment and do business globally. And now, introducing the host of Green Focus and CEO of Focus IP, Yaron Damelin.
1: I'm happy to have the privilege of hosting Cody Norton. So Cody, you've got like a, kind of a rich and a different background. You've done a lot of consulting over the years. Uh, you're currently yeah. a mentor and uh, a presenter. And one thing that really tickles me is the fact that you're a storyteller. Uh, so I look forward to hearing your story. Okay? Because yeah, you seem thank to you. You've got lots of things to talk about. Yeah, uh, well, thank uh, you for having me on. Uh, our first
2: conversation that we had was a lot of fun. I think we went over like an hour just getting to know each other. And as you mentioned, the difference between green tech, climate tech, clean tech, energy tech, uh it's a lot of information to digest at the end of the day uh and it's at the forefront uh we just had a meeting the other day and everyone is basically saying great energy tech green tech whatever you want to climate climate tech is the new cyber uh and it's what is going to take off uh comparable to Uh, When I moved here, I moved to Israel uh, officially in August 2018. I became a citizen in, um, let's see, March of 2019. So I've been in Israel, so about three, four years. And energy tech wasn't something that was in everyone's mouth uh, here in Israel. It wasn't uh, something that was uh well known there were companies that were doing things solar edge is obviously the one unicorn. they're s on s p 500 everyone pretty much knows solar edge but beyond that it was there wasn't much um so it was really defining what we wanted to do mm-hmm. and how to go about it um with Ignite the Spark. And Ignite the Spark, just to give a little background before too much about me and our organization, is Ignite the Spark is basically just a town hall. It's a grassroots organization where we bring everyone together in energy tech. And we define energy tech in terms of mostly renewables, in terms of storage, uh, carbon uh, mitigation, hydrogen, transmission distribution generation, which again, it's broken down into into PV, non uh, thermal, you pretty much name it. Anything other than oil and gas. and So we wanted to bring everyone into that central meeting place, just have these discussions as we're having now, uh, and allow people to have the dialogue. You're in our uh, LinkedIn group, you're in our WhatsApp group. It's mostly people um, shooting the shit. That's what I would kind of say. And it, but it's that it, it's the intelligent. You know, it's, it's sharing knowledge with one another, uh, relevant articles, what's happening in the news, and so that's 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 a That's kind of the little background uh, and and how we kind of got to know each other.
1: Okay, so let me just challenge you around on that one then, off the cuff. Ignite, um, you know, what is it actually trying to achieve? I mean, I know it's community-focused, right? You're putting the brains together, you're sharing ideas. Um, Firstly, how is it going? What is it trying to do? And also, what is your model? Like, how is Ignite going to really ignite it?
2: Yeah. So how, how does ignite? Like so, igniters we call our community members igniters, um, <laughs> and and we're energized. And so basically, the the KPI and what we look for is the growth of the energy tech sector. We have funding from the Ministry of of Energy for uh, our activities in our women in energy sub community uh, that promotes. Uh, uh, female CEOs and also VPs and any female that's pretty much in the energy sector uh, and help them grow. And then also we have Ignite Academia that is funding. And that's, we have seven cells. We're about to add an eighth cell across universities here in Israel. And we're breeding the next generation of entrepreneurs by providing them with PhD researchers and startups and be able to teach them how to grow. The idea is, is we want the, from the point of ideation, where You may not know anything about energy tech uh, or the energy markets, especially because it's extremely complicated. Uh, Energy tech is not a simple, let's invest, let's do a series A, and then we could do a merger exit, and we're pretty much done. This is something that's going to be five years, 10 years down the line. So what we measured is, for example, our Energy Pioneers of Tomorrow workshop is we provide from four sessions from 3 to 8 p.m., We have 20 speakers and they come in and they basically will teach you, an entrepreneur that knows nothing about energy, they will teach you everything you didn't know to then have a startup. So that's how we measure it. So the growth of the energy tech sector here in Israel. And then how do we progress from there? So we saw from our first cohort, we have three startups that have raised over a million dollars within eight months uh, of our first cohort. That's great. Then we then look at the pre seed seed and how they're doing. And we do an annual pitch contest uh, for startups with our crowd. And it's called uh, All-Stars, Energy Tech All-Stars. It's really Energy Tech All-Stars. So we see what's the growth from this year's event to next year's event. We had to open a post-IPO category because we had four companies that were initially part of the pitch contest that then went post-IPO. They maybe did a partial IPO or they did a full IPO uh so that's that's how we measure the growth and how we could see the sector grow so it's the new entrepreneurs that come in and then it's the developments of startups that then push and go from maybe the r&d to pilot phase or they're just completely entering the market and becoming a little more revenue based instead of looking on the investment side okay so
1: let me just get some clarity here okay because i can see in the early phases you kind of as I said, you're igniting the, from ideation almost onwards, right? You kind of, I guess, I guess uh, people who've gone through the workshop, uh, who've gone through the pitching phases and all that stuff, they kind of come under some umbrella towards, with you guys and the Ministry of Energy probably. But, um, I mean, how do you accompany these clients going forward, these companies going forward? Do you get a share in the companies? Like, just work me through no, how this
2: We are, so we are completely, uh, up to this point, uh, we are completely volunteers. All 25 of us on the team, we're volunteers. I'm a volunteer myself. I do outside consulting. I do other things to support myself. Every single one of us is a volunteer. We are now moving towards hiring individuals and having people on salary and uh, moving away from just being a brand and a volunteer organization to then a, uh, a registered, which is a nonprofit, where then we're able to have uh, income and be able to provide more resources, but everything we do, all the sponsorship goes directly into the events and being able to support startups. So uh, for example, we do bridging innovation. Uh, So we'll work with the various embassies and chamber of commerce. We've done the UK, the EU, uh, Japan, North America with the US and Canada and all of the sponsorship. And whenever we do these events and the goal is networking. So then they find partnerships and it's, amazing platform that we use that allows basically just randomized networking uh so all the sponsorship then goes into let's say the platform and then the production team so then we get a, have a hybrid event nothing comes into our pocket everything is going into these events and providing resources
1: okay well now that i know it's not trying to make money it's a good time to suggest that i join you guys i mean it's working with startups over the years you know there's this romantic phase of they don't make money and that's so cool when they actually yeah. start making money sometimes they lose their attraction because you can actually see what they're doing you can actually see if they're succeeding so i think i'll put my name up there to be the 26th
2: yeah i would love to have you especially <laughs> so i would even love to have you come join uh, because you are new i would love to have you in the energy pioneers and tomorrow applications are still open uh, i don't know when this is going to be released but applications I, are still I, open to this can 16th. i share
1: a secret with you Yeah. I actually put my application in a few days ago. I thought that sounds cool. So uh I'm waiting for like (laughs) So in
2: in two days (laughs) applications closes and we'll let you know next week. I'll uh (laughs) I think maybe there's a little bribe that we'll have to do on the side your uh uh and so we'll have to figure it out.
1: Well for a start let's just say the chaim. I see you've got a big fat mug. I think I may be able to compete with you. Mine's like solid as well. So the chaim. Okay, so now, Freddie, I don't want to keep you for too long because I promised you I'm not going to take your whole day. So I'm just going to skip to a few other questions. Sure. Um, and I want to ask you as follows, right? Um, firstly, when you look at the Israeli energy tech scene, okay, mm-hmm. uh, I know that you're from the States a couple of years back, but how, how are the Israelis matching up to others on a global scale? I always know that, uh, you know, I'm an IP in patents and patents is interesting because patents, um, for all its goods and bads and its warts and its uh, compliments, uh, it's kind of a bit of an objective way of looking at a technology. It kind of distills the technology into some format and then examiners from all over the world can look at all these different patents and kind of compare them in some way. So I'm wondering, have you got some kind of uh, way standard uh you know so that you can measure yeah. by and say israelis or x and whatever how are we doing
2: so look so i i think the the beauty of this country is, is there's three parts so you have the ministry of energy which puts out open calls and for various rounds of funding you can come to them with just ideation you don't have any r d and you can come to them basically with the, this is the game plan this is the basic business model Uh, We've done minimal research, and then they will support you with funding and be able to take you from there. Uh, The Israel Innovation Authority as well, you could then go and get more funding from them. Uh, But I really think what differentiates Israel from a lot of countries is how universities have a commercialization uh, uh, aspect, where professors can do, will be funded for their research. And then the universities then take equity within the startup that they then assist them in in creating a full business model and startup when it's just transitioning from R&D for years in terms of like, let's say a hydrogen. H2Pros is a great example. That was the Technion for about four years working on on, uh, on Blue Hydrogen. Then they then raise a series A. Technion has a certain percentage, so it's a full, support system. So the IP is being developed uh, simultaneously with the growth, if that makes sense.
1: Actually, there were a couple of years back, and I think these are the important changes you're referring to, that, you know, according to Israeli patent law, at least, I remember, like, the IP is immediately and assumed to be owned by the institution, right, i.e. the universities in this case. And there was a big uh, issue there because once again, some big professor wanted to develop something They had to make a choice or outside or inside. Um, right. And you know they would lose all their rights in the university and lose their career maybe, so they chose not to. And when the government kind of opened up this pathway of sharing, of encouraging entrepreneurship within the, the, the academics and uh, academia, it actually opened up a whole horizon. So it's interesting that you're seeing that as a central driving force and then uh, at,
2: at the same time, you have like Tel Aviv University, which has their own VC. They have their own fund. So then yeah. they're directly investing there, and then they can also invest outside of the university. Um, so and then that can pair up again with the research side, and then put academics that have been more on the theoretical side, and then put them into the practical side. And so you're you're basically funneling. Uh, um, geniuses and very intelligent people more people that I would say way more intelligent than me my co-founder is an electrical engineer he understands the technology on a much deeper level Mm -hmm. Uh, so he would Mm -hmm. almost be better to talk to than me but I view it on on the business economics level of looking on how to develop a company and once you have the IP and you're starting to move forward with the R&D and then the betas and the pilots it's taking that next step which is the hardest thing it's creating the deal flow within energy tech So you could have the IP, but the regulatory aspect is one of the biggest barriers because the regulatory aspect from Germany is gonna differ from Norway, which is gonna differ from the UK, which is gonna differ from, uh, let's say somewhere in Africa to the US. Every technology, even though you may have a standardized process and your IP may match, but then you're going to have to alter the technology to then match whatever regulatory markets uh, you're entering.
1: This this actually begs for one of my other questions, which is exactly about that thing about regulations, about limitations, about bureaucracy, right? Is uh, what what do you think? First of all, I know we always, I mean, Israel is a tiny local market. And when we're talking about building transformative technology, we usually got bigger eyes for the open big world. Okay. Mm -hmm. But that being the case... um, You know, what are the particular limitations or or requirements from a, you know, standards and compliance point of view in this sector, and that do we have a secret way, do we have a secret, do we have a way of kind of bulldozing forward, knowing that we, that we can actually penetrate these foreign markets, or is it all just so fluid and in development because of the newness of, of, of the crisis? So
2: so there is there are simplistic ways. So you have prize in 2020, which can help take you to Europe and you can then create a uh, coalition. You could then apply and you own an like, EU partner and then you have an Israeli partner and then you can get funding and you could work together to then uh, deploy. Same thing with the Bird Foundation to help you enter the North American uh, market and you find a partner in North America. I, I think the biggest issue that we're facing and we're moving away from is the monopoly that the Israel Electric Company had, and they were mm. lagging a little bit. And then same thing with uh, the PUA, which is the regulatory aspect of the electric market here, and the energy market. Uh, they have now taken a huge step. This is something that they've been criticized, and they have now brought on great individuals that are really trying to create this uh, to bridge the gap of innovation innovation versus regulatory. The innovation in companies were way ahead of what the market would allow. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was companies that basically were failing because you couldn't play in your own backyard. PV yeah. was, there were, there were a lot of tenders and bids that were going out for mm-hmm. PV, for example, for like, uh, solar. And you could put them on all the municipality buildings. But then there was only a small amount that was then going for EV or storage because the regulatory aspect wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, but with COP26, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu Bennett and what he has gone for, the goals that we have set for net zero as a country, everything is really catching up, which I think instead of a company that then has to go to Poland to go and get a pilot and show proof of concept, they are now gonna be able to do it here in Israel. Which I think is going to accelerate. A, it's going to help the Israeli market and the energy market. Uh, one of the big downsides, I would say, is the the gas, the Lebanon and 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 that's in the sea. So gas really took over and uh, um, was over it overshadowed the energy, the renewable space because it was uh, so hot. Uh, But then, with now political issues, because it's 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 in international waters to an extent, and it borders Lebanon. There's created political issues with the gas, uh, the the discovery of the gas up there. So now they're looking into even more options in the renewable space, and then also independent power providers are still a relatively new thing in Israel uh, within the past uh, two three years. Uh, that they're becoming more prevalent. So with all of this moving, it's a lot of moving pieces. It's going to make Israel a lot stronger. And then at the same time, we view it on on a kilowatt level, uh, which is domestically for Israel. And so that's rapidly growing. And then with peace treaties that have happened regionally and a lot of the regional uh, climate is, is similar. And so you have the UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, we're seeing a lot more uh, options there. So the MENA area, so, the, uh, so there's a lot of options there. And then globally, we are catching up. Uh, we are lagging in terms of meeting our uh, carbon, neutrality, like carbon neutrality and being that's zero. We are lagging comparable to the European countries and other countries. Um, we've missed most of our goals, but we are catching
1: up. Okay. So now- I, if you, I wanted to reserve my emotional output over here and my, my rock. No, go for it. Go for it. Get emotional. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, the, the electric company, okay? Now, coming from South Africa, by the way, um, there's a lot to admire and wonder about the awesome efficiency of our electric company compared yeah, to the infrastructure I, in South I, Africa. I,
2: I, I wouldn't call it efficiency. I like uh, it's okay, so uh, exactly so many I I do have some, a lot of South African, South African friends. No, no that was a relative said. statement. That was a I relative know. statement.
1: It's, okay. It's, uh, but, it's uh, but getting back to my question, yeah. Cody, the, the electric company being an existing uh it's all this day monopoly and controlling who can connect and who can't connect and what rates they're paying and all these type of things. Tell me, is there a date when they're gonna get out the way and open up the economy, the electric economy that we can really see competition happening and experimentation happening and that the efficiency of the technology and of the products will actually be able to come to the fore?
2: I do think so. I think it's probably going to be with the next year, year and a half. They're bringing in individuals to look in as outside consultants that have, uh, have previously been in high uh, chief officer, or high uh, executive positions to then come back and re-analyze. and analyze. There's, uh, They're having their own innovation center and innovation teams. So they really are focusing on driving that. Obviously, the transmission lines are still going to be part of uh, with the IP with the individual power providers. They're still mm-hmm. going to be uh, there. Uh, um, it, it's going to it's going to be a slow process. Uh, this is a very bureaucratic country. At the end of the day, it is it creates difficulties. Okay. So there's no okay, I don't so have a, I don't have a guaranteed answer. <laughs> uh, especially look as, as a startup, if I'm looking at it. I uh, view it as uh, where am I going to see the best return? Where am I going to have uh, really uh, a kick-ass project, you know, a large scale project? It's not going to be, it's it's not going to be a small city like uh, even those are kind of big cities. Let's go to Hamburg. Let's go to Berlin. Let's, Let's let's go out to something that's going to be great for PR and do a bigger project.
1: But I also see that the the limitation of the uh, of the local environment it could be very destructive in that sense that you know Israel has so often played a role as kind of like a beta testing site for technology, right? And we know it's not a big market, but it's a great place to test things. And we need right. to have that in our playground here. We need to have local companies being able to test local. Local technology. I agree. It needs to be a easily. sandbox. It needs to be a sandbox. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So we agree on that one. Tell me something. Where do you see, uh, who do you think even will be the next big thing coming from Israeli energy tech? Like, you know, you talk about
2: wow.
1: unicorns and decacons and all these things. What are we looking at? Look, uh, uh, um, H2
2: Pro is kind of being tapped. That's the next mm-hmm. one. And hydrogen. Um, I don't, I can't play favorites at the end of the day. Uh, I, I would say go to our website, take a look at our energy tech map that we have. Uh, it's a fully dynamic, inclusive map. So you click on a company, it will take you to their certification central uh, profile. You can take a peek on who's on what round of funding, where they're at. It's going to show you where, how we define generation, transmission, distribution, how they're getting to the last uh, consumer and, and the, the final end of the, the, the distribution. And so it, it, it's tough uh, to see. A, a lot of companies uh, hit a brick wall. They, they get to the point of, I have a lot of LOIs, I have MOUs um, um, out, we have the project going but then they hit a big wall of maybe funding for it, for the regulatory aspect, where you come in and there's a uh, big gap when it comes to the environmental impact. Um, Wind, one of the things that I think we're really lacking, and I think it's back to the beta testing and be able to use this as a sandbox, wind. There's been so many times that we've talked about using wind in the north, in the south, but then it comes into the military aspects, the environmental aspects. Um, so I, I'm I'm excited to see who will take off. I think we're going to see more mix of software uh, and IoT devices that will take off more in, in the sector uh, and moving towards that. Toby, Kirby, and
1: I'm, I'm moving towards closing here because I see the time's moving on. If you would have, if I'd give you my magic wand and hand it over to you and say, oh, Cody, wave this wand every which way you want to, to make one big change that can change the world in this area, what would you do?
2: One big change?
1: Um,
2: get rid of politicians. That's, that's my big change. That would a real I know magic a wand. T- I need a big magic wand for that. Um, the, the political aspect and what individuals are then promising um, doesn't always match uh, what can be provided. Politicians want top 26. We're going to do this. We're going to meet these goals. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Yeah. But sometimes it's not realistic. Uh, it's sometimes just catchy for them to say it because everyone else is doing it. Some countries are great at it, but a lot of the times uh, politicians don't actually follow through and put the right individuals into the position for them to succeed.
1: You mean greenwashing also applies to the politicians?
2: Yeah, I I think that's what it really comes down to. But the money is there, the funding is there right now. Everyone is diversifying their portfolio in terms of investment, private equity, hedge funds. Everyone is looking into SDG everyone's looking into having more energy tech renewables. You have Chevron, that's then uh, Chevron New new Energy Tech, New Ventures, they have their own fund where they're doing carbon mitigation, they're doing energy tech, everyone is looking to do this. So the funding is there, but the politicians then hop on board and regulators hop on board and they really stop the process. And it it draws it out, it really draws it out because then you have to look at it in the sense of, okay, I am now taking the city, if if, if a municipality is in control of their, uh, like Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, um, a politician may have to decide, am I going to invest more money into renewables or am I going to, for Los Angeles, am I going to invest in the homeless issue? What what and/or the, the police and brutality there? We go. Where's the money going to go, and how is the budget going to uh, then impact uh, the growth of energy tech? Sure, I mean, we've always got
1: this concept kind of uh, short, medium, and long term, and this energy thing is a, a real long game. You know, it's we talking about twenty, thirty. It's years. a very long we're game. It's a very beginning.
2: long. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a very long game. It's it's patient capital. And you might get elected in four years. So a project that you may start may get may have is gonna go past your term. So why why actually start the the uh, process? So it's I think it's it's key community members that need to to that are influential and have the funds that then can be privately backing it. Uh, you see a lot of people now returning back to their cities going to smaller areas, becoming more influential, building back up cities that were that lost uh, their factories uh, that have been impacted by the economy. So those are areas that then I think the deployment of energy to energy tech and renewables could really succeed.
1: I've also heard it being thrown around a lot that well, I think one of the central challenges that's, that, you're gonna, that all of us are gonna have in this space is by showing that um, we sh- is by showing the feasibility of the of these changes that we're not doing them for the love of the earth necessarily, but for the love of the economy. Like we've got to make sure that it's justified, right? The love of the earth and the love of greening, I think we share. But the question is that um, can we really put a put us on a spreadsheet the way it should be? I mean, I know your background and so too. mine to some degrees in economics. Can we put these things onto spreadsheets? And to show that it makes sense, and so to these politicians who have got short terms and medium terms, and does it make sense? Can the bottom lines be enhanced The return, the return on,
2: the return on, the tr- yeah, the return on investment. Sometimes you won't see that for even if a, pro- a project starts, and you're not, you may not see a return on investment for four years, and it could be a fully operating solar plant. You're not going to see a return on investment for four years, mm-hmm. which can scare people. That's the thing. When it comes to the balance sheet, it's. There's two different minds that you have to look at. You have the the innovators and the engineers that can see it, and it's going to be feasible. And it's going to be great long term. But then it's what's going to happen in the short term that scares people away. It's patient capital. That's the hardest yeah. part.
1: Yeah, patients. I mean, it's, you know, we know we're. I mean, you've been here in Israel only a few years. I've been here like 27 years, and it's always been a. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's always been an interesting aspect of our culture, like patience isn't what really flows in our blood in this country. We're very impatient, I would say, and, uh, and short-termly. I mean, maybe it's because we're always uh, in a war and uh, and always fighting battles. But somehow, uh, patience isn't a very uh, easy asset to acquire. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, I, really I over the the last I would you know, we've seen the development of unicorns, for example, even though now they're, uh, they're being shaken down to the bottom. But still, we've shown an ability to now start really building proper things here um, as opposed to just having ideas and having initial technology sparks. And that gives me a lot of hope, gives me a lot of hope that we actually got people who've learned a lot, done a lot, our, seen our, a lot, experienced a lot.
2: Our community is relentless. These are individuals that I, I could take uh, one company, uh, Altico AI. Uh, and so are you now and so this is a these are two individuals that i met when i first moved here and they worked and they worked and they worked and they tweaked it they then hit their niche and then they got around to funding and that was three years later Mm -hmm. so they are there's a sense of being relentless which also i think is innate in and uh uh in the jewish people uh in the persecution and the way that we've had to overcome we just continue and we move and we move and we move and we kind of take the bullets we take the we brush things off we hit the speed bumps we keep going i think that's something that is extremely unique in our community and especially within our community that it's this is such a small country we've had uh small private meetings with just the ceos of all the storage companies And allowing them to discuss what are their roadblocks how can they help each other just allow them to trade thoughts and ideas which that would be completely foreign to most markets outside of israel
1: well that's why i just want to give a a compliment to you and the and and this forum right because you know there's something i want to say i don't know what your money model is for her to i'm still trying to get my head around that one but that sharing of information, that sharing of, uh, of, of transparency, of thought generation, of brainstorming, and feeling that there's some kind of um, strong familial familiar, familial community, which in a sense, we're family, we can share. We aren't scared that everyone's gonna take the ideas. We're scared uh, that if we don't share, we won't get these things launched. And that is something Correct. to cherish and to encourage. And that's what the forums like yours are critical in, in kind of continuing that culture, you know? So uh, here's a uh, kudos to you guys of like maybe I'll be with you sometime, but carry on doing that. It's really important, you know. It's really important. So so now towards closing, you know, I don't know your. Um, I don't. I don't believe you've got grandchildren. Am I right in that assumption? But no, I'm twenty nine. you think I'm still, forward, <laughs> I'm still looking for a wife. The wife, the children, the grandchildren. It's a process. It's a long. Yeah. It's a long-term patience, right? But. If you could uh, give me one wish what of something that you could do to help make this world better for your future grandchildren, what would that be?
2: My future grandchildren, I'm trying to think about the date that I have tonight and seeing how that goes. So now I have to think about grandchildren. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting conversation. I don't think you should I mention this to I, her, okay. I, I, I know, I probably shouldn't. I shouldn't. Uh one thing that I could do better, I think um, Kind of what we're doing, uh, dialogue, allowing individuals to speak, allowing uh, teaching, like what I do with my storytelling is allowing people to also listen. You want to be able to tell your story. You want to be able to articulate yourself. You don't want to attack. You don't want to have to be defensive in the way that you speak. So it's, it's teaching people and allowing people to have open dialogue and promoting open dialogue that's what i that's what i want i people have become a little too closed off and and polarized so anything i can do and allowing even in my small little things that i do I have, and it could influence just one person that's what that's what i want in my life if i can influence one person that then can influence another and then it's it's it snowballs that's what i would love to do and that's how i can help my grandchildren
1: Okay, I mean, the snowballs have worked in the past, may they work in the future. I'm going to bat yeah. in here at one moment because I'm I, I'm a bit ahead of you in terms of that curve. Uh, you're married for a while with six kids. I'm actually expecting Beautiful. a grandchild this year for the first time. Wow,
2: So I, I'm closer to
1: that moment Beautiful. of thinking, grandchildren, it's not that far away, but I would like to quote, there's one famous uh, verse in our tradition in, in the Talmud that talks about so uh, and that means in English kind of stay away from bad, like prevent bad and yeah. do good. And so I see yeah. my mission here in the space of, on the one hand, there's a lot of trying to prevent bad, right? Trying to like get rid of all the bad stuff, the bad carbons the bad uh, energy stuff, and replacing it with better stuff. And also the good. When I'm saying uh, it's also like the regreening, not just the non polluting, but also the regreening, making it nicer, making it a more beautiful place to live in. And uh, I think Israel has actually been very commendable because we've taken a desert. Uh, you know, which remember the famous Mark Twain quotes about the, how this was just a barren desert with like nothing. And it's a beautiful place. There's trees, there's green, yeah. there's a reclamation of land all over the place. And there's a long way to go. But I think we are, we've, we've, we've put a lot of energy to doing that and that continue. So, I'm hoping that both that Sumerah and Osetov can be something which we can let uh, our children and grandchildren inherit. Because, uh, you know, it it takes takes a community. It It takes a
2: community. community. It takes all of us to do it.
1: You know, it's just like one little sign thing. But I know in my life, you know, I try to give charity to what I can and according to my means, and I try my hardest, but don't always manage as much as I should. Um, But there's one little, little donation I've been making literally since when I made Aliyah 27 years or so ago. That's through the, you know, Society for Protection of Nature in Israel. And why? Because I saw that they, they've got this mission. I mean, they've got many missions, but some of them include just like taking some land and looking after it. Just looking after that so that we can actually enjoy it. Because, you know, we are growing a viciously fast growing population. And if we don't have someone who's going to hold this land to us and say, keep this green, otherwise we're going to take you to court. And um, it's just natural evolution is going to take over and it's going to become an urban jungle, even though we want to have smart cities and we want to make those cities run better and be efficient. Be and in, we're seeing it, we're, we
2: are seeing it becomes, there are, that's the thing, there are organizations that are mixing it and trying to turn what we've seen in Beersheba, we're seeing in there, but we're seeing all over, high rises being built left and right and, and everything there, but the, there is land that needs to be protected and the the mix of, of Urban, also making it more green and, and sustainable. There are organizations that are doing that. And I think the, those are amazing uh, uh, organizations that do, that do that
1: work. Fantastic. So, now um, in closing, uh, people who are wanting to get involved in the field, I know that you've mentioned you've got your pioneers of energy courses and workshops, which you're encouraging. I want to just also give a compliment to the map, the the map that you did together with uh, Startup Nation Central and the electric, the electric Ministry or something like that, the Ministry of uh, yeah, Energy. Yeah, the, the Israel Export and Institute. And the Israel Export Institute. And really, it's an amazing map. Um, I'm wondering, how often do you update that map, by the way?
2: The map, we do it once a year. Uh, there's over a hundred startups on there, the most active startups. Well, there's over 200 startups here in Israel, but we take the the top 100 startups. It's hard sometimes whenever we have to tell a a company that you didn't make the cut. Uh, but there's, but, uh, that map is extremely useful. Uh, you could find us on LinkedIn. There's a LinkedIn group that's open to anyone. We already have over 3000 members. There's a lot of resources. This is a great opportunity for you to join our WhatsApp groups.
1: I uh, want make sure that and, we yeah, these, uh, at, the links to the to the bottom the of the podcast yeah, and the YouTube whatever comes out on this so we're for going the, to connect for the to website
2: places. yeah for the for the website it's pretty simple ignite the spark.org.il uh, and you could find pretty much everything there uh and be able to get connected and uh I'm always here uh find me at Cody Norton on LinkedIn and I'm always open to conversation as as you and I connected very randomly and and as, as now have a and a little bond in a fruitful relationship. And I hope, and now, uh, by allowing me on your podcast, you bribe me, we'll get you into the energy pioneers of tomorrow.
1: <laughs> Cody, I want to thank you for your time, um, for thank helping you. ignite the spark in many others and uh, in me as well. I'm hoping we can ignite many sparks together. I see it as part of the mission of Oglo Goyim of uh, being a light to the nations, right? The light to the nations means that we've got to take this energy, this light, we've got to ignite it, we've got to we got to distribute it as well. We've got to get it over and get the message across. So I'm on a similar, similar mission to you, I believe, and I'm hoping we could do some work together and cooperate, but a bigger door that we could help uh, encourage this community to grow, to develop, to make a change, and at the end of the day, to make a great impact in greening our world together. So thank you so much. Agreed. I'll be in touch thank soon. You so much and for having uh, me. all the best. Best wishes to you and to the world.
0: Thank you for listening to Green Focus, We hope you were inspired by the episode. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts in order to stay updated when future episodes are released.